0: Hello, and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. This week, we're going to be sharing with you all some stories and questions listeners have sent in to us for our monthly community connection show. So please sit back and pour yourself a cup of coffee or tea and enjoy us around the virtual table. Yes. We're
1: starting right out with, I'm an empath whose energy naturally vibrates very high. I’ve had yoga teachers, shamans, and strangers alike tell me that they can feel my energy when I just walk into a room, and I’ve even been thanked for bringing wonderful energy into many a yoga studio. When I’m out in public or new to any space, I’m naturally very quiet and reserved, so it always catches me off guard when people can still notice my high energy. I never realized how much my naturally high energy and level, excuse me, my naturally high energy level attracted other people though. Until I started learning through your podcast and other spiritual avenues, which explained that when you naturally vibrate high, it attracts people who are vibrating low. This has been a good and a bad thing in my life. The good part is that I've become friends with some amazing people who have made my life so much better. The bad part is that I somehow, without any intention at all, attract depressed, anxious, sad, vulnerable people. I always help these people out by just listening to them and being there for them. And I've learned to not take on their energy as my own. I do protect myself by wearing bracelets on my left wrist of green Jasper and black tourmaline, which has helped. But for some inexplicable reason, I manage to attract men either online or in person who seem to be attracted to me only for my high energy and empathic qualities. It gets frustrating especially when I'm trying to find a man who's on the same energy wavelength as I am. So my question is, how can I recognize when a man is just attracted to me because I vibrate so high and he's vibrating so low? I never get the vibe that these men are energy vampires. I don't think these men even realize why they're really attracted to me in the first place. I hope you have some insight for me and hopefully I'm not the only empath out in the world going through this. Well, no, I can give you a list of like, 200 people right off the top of my head that will be nodding their heads like a bobblehead as they listen to this show. I think that a lot of us have attracted the same person with a different face over and over. And the fact that you're aware of that is huge, that you're saying, okay, I don't want to bring this into my life anymore. I think also the fact that you know how to protect yourself, you're conscious, you're coming from a place of service with so many of the people that you do help that might be anxious or depressed or vulnerable. But now what what I'm feeling is you're raising the bar and saying, okay, I'm ready for someone that can meet me where I am and I don't have to rescue or control or fix. And shifting that pattern within, I think it starts with self-acceptance, but I also think it's, you've learned the lesson from attracting those men and you don't need to do it anymore. Like you're ready for new lessons and that is equality, reciprocity, give and take, uh, r- mutual respect that that's a good goal.
0: I do too and I think it's an important reminder to tell yourself I've learned this lesson I don't need any more <laughs> quizzes popping up in form of these relationships. I also think it's important to recognize that relationships are a two-way street and to start to research in your own history of relationships signs that this person is not interested in a two-way street. This person is a cul-de-sac of complaining. So there's really quick signs. If you're talking to someone on the phone or email and all they do is talk about themselves or they might ask about you, but they're not really listening to your response. They're just kind of on hold until it's their time to talk. That's a really good sign that this is a low energy person that has no desire in becoming a higher energy person. So even though people who vibrate as high as this listener does tend to attract low energy people, like she said, it is a good thing because there are a lot of people who are temporarily vibrating at a lower energy and she can extend her energy and her space and her time to help that person heal through that low energy time. But I do think that there's a small percentage of the population that vibrate at a low energy all the time and they kind of want to stay there. And they use high energy people almost like a temporary battery pack. Mm-hmm. But don't you think they're pretty easy to recognize? Most of the time.
1: Sometimes they they're they're pretty insidious, like smoke coming under the door. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you you were wearing a mask and that's not I'm still caught up on you saying a cul-de-sac of complaining. I love that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a good line. Well, you know, when I started researching narcissists for our series we did, it's almost like somebody gave me a guidebook to low energy people. And now that I know the signs to look for in a narcissist, I've become really good at spotting those takers. It's, I, I really feel like if you if you study narcissism or sociopaths or just, you know, negative complaining people, and you look for the signs and indicators that you're dealing with one of these. It's it's like the masks that they wear are removed and you can see so clearly. That's a very, very good point. So our next question says, I went through a massive spiritual shift in 2020 and feel I know myself better than ever. Part of that is truly due to listening to your podcast and becoming more connected to my intuition. My love and I are getting married this May in a redwood grove surrounded by our little tribe of friends and family. Well, congratulations. That Doesn't that sound like a beautiful wedding spot? It does. She says, we would like to incorporate crystals and incense, sage, palo santo in our ceremony. Do you have any recommendations on what stones and scents could invoke a feeling of ritual, a blissful moment of time out of the ordinary? Okay, that just sends me down my own rabbit hole of every crystal. No, I'm kidding. I think <laughs> moonstone would be a great one because it is a traditional gift given at weddings to ensure love and fidelity. Any pink or green stone for romance, like rose quartz, jade, uh, chrysocolla, which is also excellent for communication, pink opal, which is wonderful for mothering, self-soothing, nurturing, mothering of self-energy, rhodochrosite, light blue stones for crystal clear connections like blue lace agate or blue chalcedony, angelic stones for intercession of romantic help like angelonite or selenite, black tourmaline or jasper for grounding and protection, and of course, twin quartz for always working together and recognizing each other as your, as your life mates. So a, a twin quartz, often called a soulmate quartz, is just a clear quartz, that has two terminated crystals growing from the same base. They're beautiful stones when you can find them. And maybe a garnet for passion. Garnet is a great stone for really igniting passion in a relationship. As for sense, I'm not as well-versed on sense as I am on crystals, but I would maybe recommend Yang Yang, which was is great for balance and harmony. Rose obviously for romance and love. Sandalwood, which is great for romance and passion, or neroli. Okay. What do you think?
1: I think you covered that beautifully, and uh, wishing the best to both of them. And I love that they're doing this in a, the the setting sounds incredible, but also integrating these aspects into their their ceremony makes it even deeper and more connected. So it's beautiful. And she thank sent you for a of
0: them. That. And let me tell you, they could be on TV. They're just a gorgeous couple. They look so happy, so in love. So all That's of our nice. congratulations to you.
1: Our next one is, is it possible to request your guides, angels, or God that you be reunited with a specific soul in a future life? My ex and I just had a horrible breakup a couple months ago. Two months later, he told me he is now remarried and wants absolutely zero contact with me. Harsh words were said and altogether, it honestly felt like my soul was being cut out with a sharp knife. I don't know if things can be made right in this lifetime, but if it can't, I at least hope that our souls can reconcile in a future life and I can have another chance to be with someone who I consider one of my soulmates. I even remember telling him back when we first met that it's weird because even though we've only known each other a short time, it feels like I've known you forever. That's a sign for me that we're soulmates. If it is possible that since we chose where we go in our next life, can I choose to reincarnate in the place and time period as my ex so we can have a second chance at love? Thank you so much in advance for your answer. Love and light to you both. Honestly, I don't know. I've never heard of anyone being able to say, okay, I want to come back in. 3,000, you know, 30, 15, and I wanted to be doing this and doing that. I don't know. I, I would say it's all predetermined when we're on the other side has always been my presence with that. But I do believe that if there's unfinished work with this person, you're going to find each other in one capacity or another. And it may be in a family relationship. It may be as, as lovers or partners. It may be as colleagues. It may be as siblings but the lesson is what's behind the relationship, is what will come back through for you to experience.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, I want to clarify too for people when we have that feeling of, oh, I feel like I've known you forever, it can mean that person is a soulmate, but not a twin soul. And there's a very big difference. A soulmate is someone with whom we have karma, a soulmate is someone with whom we have shit to work out. Excuse my language. So we often have that feeling of recognition because this is someone who we have you know, worked out before we came to earth, this plan of, oh, you're going to pop into my life at this time to teach me this, this, and this. And I'm going to help you learn this, this, and that. And if those lessons were learned in this lifetime, then your karma is done. But it sounds as though there's a lot of unfinished business. So If you wanted to finish this in another lifetime, like Denise said, that can happen, but he, his soul would also have to agree with that. So that's why soul plans can take such a long time because everybody has to agree to all the conditions. But we definitely hope that your heart is healing through this because the breakups like this are incredibly painful. But I truly believe that in that pain, in that dark night of the soul, is where we find our real light, our real inspiration and our truth. And so I, I, I pray that she finds that. Yes.
1: Yes. And sometimes it takes a while to find the lesson that we did get out of something that painful. Yeah. But yeah, I, I hope that she can find peace and solace.
0: Our next question says, Hello, Samantha and Denise. Your podcast is a little bit of sunshine in a world that can feel pretty dark at times. Well, thank you so much for that. I wanted to get your input on a dream experience I had. To give a little bit of backstory, my grandmother got very ill due to an infection in March. She collapsed at home, was rushed to the hospital, and was stabilized. Because of COVID, no one was allowed to be with her or visit while she was in the hospital. And it was very hard for her and us. She always says her family is her reason for living, and we couldn't see or speak to her for over two months. After showing little to no progress in her recovery, her doctors told us to prepare for the worst. I was having a very hard time with this because I felt like I needed more time to be able to say goodbye. I fell asleep one night and found myself surrounded by darkness. I saw a faint glowing light that began to get brighter and brighter, and then it began to reveal a silhouette. I heard a woman's voice say, I met a man on top of the hill over and over, and it finally clicked that I was looking at Our Lady of Guadalupe. The moment I had realized this, the entire room filled with pure light, and I felt as if I was being pulled in every direction. I stopped moving and was suddenly back in my bed, certain that I was awake. My bedroom door creaked open and my grandmother walked in. I sat up so excited to tell her I had just seen the Virgin Mary and wanted to tell her all about it. She walked over to the opposite end of my bed, sat down, and put one finger out to shush me. I grabbed her hand and put it on my cheek. I could feel her cool hand on my skin and could even smell her perfume. It was real, or so I thought. She said, I need to tell you something. And I knew immediately she was tired and trying to tell me she was done. I didn't want to hear it, so I cut her off and just said no and squeezed her hand tighter. I felt her sigh, I felt a push back, and then I woke up. The weird thing was, it felt like a visitation from a loved one who has passed on, but she was, and thankfully still is, alive. We were able to start communicating through video chat shortly after the stream, and she made a full recovery and was a brand new woman when she came home after three months in the hospital. My question is, is it possible to have visitations like this, even though a person hasn't passed on? Or was it astral projecting, even though neither of us really know how to? Any input would be greatly appreciated as this stream has stuck with me for months and is still very vivid in my mind. Well, it is possible to have dream visitations from people who are living especially if they are in a coma or um, like Alzheimer's state, anytime that we are not fully in our body, I kind of see it as having one foot here and one foot on the other side. And in those cases, it is very easy to have a dream visit with them. And all the details that you describe first of all, amazing about seeing the Virgin Mary. That's beautiful. But the other details you describe about feeling her hand and feeling the the weight of her on your bed and the sound of the door creaking open, all of those senses are often indicators that this is a visit and not a dream. Dreams are often kind of hazy, foggy. We remember bits and pieces, but clearly you remember every aspect of this dream, which is an indicator of a visit. And plus, you described it as waking up from a dream of the Virgin mother and being fully aware as your grandmother walked into the room. So some people call that lucid dreaming. I call it a dream visit. I think what was happening is that your your grandmother was considering crossing over. And I think mother Mary was with her to help her decide. And I think she was probably visiting several people in your family to see if everybody was ready to let her go. And you were not ready to let her go, and that's okay. And so I think possibly your dream experience might be why she's still here. Because even though she's tired and said she was done, she loves you all. And she realized you're, you know, that she's still needed here. What do you think, Denise?
1: I think that's a beautiful, beautiful story. And also I agree with you 100% about it being a visitation and that that's highly, highly possible. Because it's when we've done dream shows, we've also talked to people where two people will will meet in a dream. And when your uh, consciousness is more relaxed, when you're more open, that's why people in spirit can come through in our dreams is we've lowered our defenses and they're able to pop in a little more easily. I also think that I agree with you. And to me, the fact that, you know, the, the Mother Mary was there, that that whole connection brings uh, even more validity and strength to the fact that it was a true visitation for both of them, because I think the, the grandmother needed to see her as much as she needed to see. It feels very, very uh, correlates beautifully for both of them and the fact that she held on and said, not yet. But equally, don't you think it's really cool that the grandmother is out and doing better than ever? So was there healing that was happening during that as well?
0: That's a great point. I do believe that when we sleep, our soul is being cleansed and healed. And some of us go to school and some of us review our life plan so far. I think that's a wonderful take on it. She probably was bathed in the light of the other side and did receive a healing.
1: It's a beautiful story though. Thank you for sharing that. Um, The next one, it's so nice to have you ladies in my earbuds every week. (laughs) I've been listening since the beginning and I'm an avid listener of Psychic Teachers as well. I'd like to know your opinions about soul contracts with people. I have an eight-year-old daughter living with a rare disease. She's nonverbal, but still finds a way to communicate what she needs or wants from everyone. She freely communicates love, which makes me proud. I've always felt that children express what they learn, and she is one giant walking heart of love everywhere she goes. Despite being nonverbal and having multiple disabilities and daily seizures, I still have hope that she'll be cured. I think about her every day, all day long. I wonder how I can make her life better and how I can help find the cure for her rare form of epilepsy. I've long struggled with my faith in the eight years she's been alive, but have returned to my faith and will never let it go. I was born and raised in the Catholic church and after finding my faith again through several small miracles I know were specifically sent to restore my faith. I now have an altar where I light candles and pray to St. Jude for a cure. Candles have been lit constantly for the last three years. In our state, I've lobbied for changes that would serve the epilepsy community. I've hosted support groups for parents like myself who are just trying to cope. My daughter and I are now patient parent ambassadors for an FDA-approved medication designated for her diagnosed illness. I went back to school to get a master's in health studies so I can continue working with this community in a more meaningful way. I get it. I'm doing a lot, but I have a big job to do. And I feel like it was part of the agreement. I really feel that she was sent here to bring a message of hope. And I have to be her voice since she doesn't have one. My big question is, how can I begin to cope with the fact that she may not be cured and I may have to just accept it? her illness. Doing that feels like I'm failing her. My husband worries that I'm making myself sick with stress and worry. I just don't see how I can not worry about her and try to find ways to improve her quality of life. But what if this was our agreement before getting to this life? I've done past life regression therapy and have been told that we have an agreement. I'm supposed to learn self-love by loving her. How in the world do I even start to do this? She was my mother in another life, and I was a rebellious daughter and constantly fought her love. I had problems with drugs and alcohol, but she never left my side while I continuously disappointed her. Thank goodness I don't have problems with drugs or alcohol in this life, but I certainly have a problem with stress. It's taking over most aspects of my life, most days, and during this pandemic has been even tougher. Any insight either of you have would be welcome. Denise, working with children like my daughter, did you ever interact with parents about this topic? Thank you. Um, well, I have to be blunt for a minute. Holy shit, way to kick ass and take names. This woman is, if, you, if you're listening to this now, sweetie, you are doing more than you even have. You, you and your daughter are catalyst and helping and shining light and giving people hope and you're advocating, and you're bringing community together, if you don't think that you're honoring your soul contract, I have got willies from Head to Toe reading that. This is beautiful, beautiful, sacred work. And and keep going. You're on it. The stress of not feeling that you're doing enough. What I love, love, love in this is that you know. You know your daughter. You feel her heart. She radiates love. She's coming from that frequency. And she is when you mentioned the past life regression about that, you she's taught you unconditional love, which is what you experienced from her in the last lifetime. If that isn't beautiful, I don't know what is, but you're on the right track. You're honoring the contract. And the more you step into taking care of yourself, it's going to give you more strength to light the way for your daughter and this community that you're bringing together. Thank you from all I am to all you are. For, for shining your light and doing this very important work. And yes, I did have parents that I would sit in, in meetings and, and I would feel that they knew their child on a depth that maybe the, the school or the social workers or the OT or the PT might not be experiencing. You know that baby girl better than anybody else on the planet and, and just keep shining that because it's, it's incredible.
0: It really is. Thank you for those words, too, Denise. You said that beautifully. Yeah. Well,
1: now I'm just going to sob uncontrollably, but we'll leave that for another day. Because I just, know it just touched me at such a depth. Because you know, I, and I, I've thought about this a lot when, in years and years of, of working with with people that had a lot, they came onto the planet with big, big issues and lessons, and. People need to realize that the familial impact of that, it's never just the person experiencing it, but also some of the kindest souls I have ever, ever interacted with in my life. And I read this a long time ago and they said, people who come in with those lessons, with those disabilities, with those uh, limitations or, or experiences have come to do soul work that the rest of us can, can't even fathom. It's it's so much deeper than any of us are experiencing, and I respect anyone who comes in with that, but also the families that are a part of that, because it, I truly do think it's sacred
0: work. I do too. And if anyone can push this wheel down the road to a cure, it sounds like it's this wonderful mother.
1: I uh, just doesn't that just touch your heart to think. Yes. And and to also the humility of am I doing enough? Well, holy shit, yes, keep going, but take care of yourself in the process.
0: Yes. Excellent message. You know, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite books that I reread a lot is called The Wheel of Eternity by Helen Greaves. And she talks a lot about the purpose of some of our different paths through her ability to channel and do mediumship. And she talks about this story of a family who had a, a disabled son. And on the other side, when they, the family reconnected, they realized that the disabled son was the strongest, wisest, most loving soul that they had ever encountered. And that he had come to earth with that, let's call it ability, not disability, to share a message of unconditional love. And so I do agree with you that this little girl is doing big, big work and her mother is doing it right along with her.
1: One of the first uh, public mediumships, I I went down to do readings and I met this woman. It was when I first started going to places and doing readings on one with people. So years and years ago, and this woman came in and I connected with her son in spirit and immediately, immediately, like uh, getting hit, like crashed by a wave on the beach. I felt this exuberant energy and and it came out of my mouth. And, and I just felt this glee in my whole body. And I said, and I didn't know anything about this woman, her story, nothing. And I said, I can run. My legs work. I can run. And the woman just started to bawl. And I thought, oh God, what the hell did I say? And then I we we did the reading and we connected. And what was interesting is he had been nonverbal, he had been severely impaired, but he used to sit and look out the window at the kids playing. And she always wanted him to be able to go out and run with the other kids. And he and he couldn't, but she'd take him out in his chair and all those things. But the the messages that came through through from that little boy validated for the mother that she had always said, Oh, he he knows this, he knows what I'm talking about, he's cognizant. And everyone would said, no, he doesn't. He doesn't know. And the, the little boy was able to validate that from spirit, which helped this mother heal. So if you are in a situation where you're caretaking someone who isn't able to communicate or, and you know, in your heart, you're feeling it or you're sensing it or you're no, please know that that's true.
0: That's a beautiful story.
1: It, it's one that has stuck with me a long, long, long time because it, again, it's that sacred part.
0: Mm-hmm. Truly sacred. Wow. Okay. Our next question says, I have been spiritually, mentally, physically, and emotionally drained and broken for four years. How do I get back to being whole again? I have spiraled out of control. I feel as if I can't connect with anyone anymore. I am an empath and always have been, but I'm overwhelmed. What exactly should I do? I want to learn more about being an empath and learn about the spiritual side of my nature. I want to become more enlightened. So this question makes me feel as though what she needs to focus on is not so much connecting with others right now, but connecting with herself first and getting her own power and her own light back. So possibly working on some traditional psychic protection techniques like grounding and shielding, but also maybe some soul retrieval techniques where you ask that all the power and light and love that you have shared and given freely remains in the world. But any power, light and love that has been taken from you is now called back to you so that it's back connected to your energy. And I think if you start to do meditations, visualizations, prayers, and intentions like that, where you're focused not so much on connecting with other people just yet, but connecting with yourself and then with your source, whatever your higher power is for you, once you've done those two things, then you can go back out into the world and connect with other people. But when we're feeling this sense of being drained and broken and overwhelmed, we need to really not, not hit pause on our world, but almost hit stop and just stop all the noise of the world and go within and reclaim our center and really remember who we are and what is true. Sometimes just meditating on that question, what do I know to be true in this moment, can be really helpful in terms of getting back our center. And then focusing on where am I losing energy? Where am I losing my sense of power? Where am I losing my sense of connection? Is it at work? Is it in myself? Is it in my personal life? Is it everywhere? But taking that moment to really go within and seek answers to the questions, it sounds like your soul is screaming at you to figure out and learn is going to be a good step to reconnecting with yourself. Beautiful. Do you want to add to that?
1: I do. Um, two things. If it's feeling like it's so overwhelming, please reach out. There are resources available. If you're feeling like you need more help than you know, if you're feeling really isolated or alone, especially during these times, uh, to please take care of yourself and, and realize that because it is a really hard time. Also, my gut feeling is that you've outgrown a lot of aspects of your life. And that's been a prevalent theme for a lot of us is where we've been doesn't really fit. We're not sure. It's almost like we're stepping out into air as to what's coming up, but maybe needing to go through this dark time to be able to say, okay, I know what I want to keep. And I know what I want to let go of so that I can start moving towards myself again. And it might be the, the exactly what you need. This has been in a very painful way a catalyst to help you find what you really want to do next or where you want to go next but yeah i mean it's a just acknowledge i think the fact that this person is acknowledging i'm i'm tired i'm overwhelmed i don't want to do it this way anymore congratulations You've, you've taken the first step and now it's like okay there are reach out to other people get on forums be anonymous if you want and go on groups and, and listen to what other people are experiencing the same thing. Because sometimes that can be the, a beautiful first step is to go into it with anonymity just to realize, okay, other people are feeling this way too.
0: Yeah, I'm not alone. That's excellent advice, Denise. Because sometimes we have to recognize, okay, this is where and when I need help, and that's Okay. Right, that's more than okay. That's a very powerful point to reach. And I like what you described about she just might be outgrowing where she is, kind of like a snake shedding its skin or a caterpillar transforming into a butterfly. Sometimes when we're in that cocoon stage, it feels dark and alone and we do feel isolated, but it's just because we're transitioning from one vibration to the next. Right. It's
1: very important. And it's It is really happening for a lot of folks right now, if that helps at all. Our next one. I recently discovered with your help that I'm an intuitive empath. I started on this journey after going to federal prison. I didn't enjoy my experience, but I'm grateful for it. I'd like to share my story and experience of my journey with you and hopefully your listeners in the hopes that it might help someone who's struggling. I grew up in a great family, no abuse or addiction. I'm a young soul, so always rebellious or extremely reckless, never got into trouble, basically a very lucky, privileged person. I built a great business, had my son in 2013, and was working very long, seven days a week for years. I was looking for a way to make some extra cash to put in place some things that would allow me to to work less. My neighbor approached me one day and asked if I wanted to transport drugs for some extra cash. Short story, I said yes and started driving. After a few months, I was caught, arrested, and indicted federally for drug trafficking. I was sentenced to four years, two months in 2018. Everything was taken from me when I went to prison. I say taken and not lost because I didn't really lose anything, if that makes sense. In prison is where my spiritual journey and my journey to find myself started. A lot of people might view a prison sentence as the end but it's just the beginning if you choose to take the right path that's revealed to you. Last year, COVID happened, and I was sent home 18 months early to finish those months on home confinement. They didn't release many women where I was. Lucky, maybe, but I do believe it was more than that. So here I am, home with my family after serving less than half my sentence, feeling compelled to share my story with whomever wants to listen. I wouldn't say I'm awakened, but the more I study and practice, I say, I level up because I don't know what term to use. Beautiful, beautiful story. And again, sometimes we take a left turn or make a bad choice, but it doesn't define us for the rest of the game. And the fact that this person saw that, that she saw this as an opportunity and a chance to really redirect and refocus, that's incredible, absolutely incredible. And I agree, I don't think it was luck. I think it was divinely orchestrated that she get home.
0: Yeah, I do too. It's like her guides were saying, you learned this lesson, now go and share your wisdom and hope and and message that bad things can turn around when we do the work, when we do the inner work. Right.
1: And also, look how much this person had accomplished before that happened. Had built the business, was working, was successful, had a child. So- little bit of a blip on the screen but it ended in a beautiful new direction so congratulations that's thank you for sharing that with us
0: definitely okay our last question says my dear friend just left a long relationship and bought a new home without anyone knowing can you recommend some crystals I could give her to attract good energy money and keep negativity out for her new home and where to place them thank you for all your work and help well again hard for me to answer because there's so many stones I'd recommend. But one great tip is to take a crystal that represents each of the seven chakras. So a red stone, an orange stone, a yellow stone, and so on. And then what you do is if you have planters flanking the front doors of your home, so you have a planter on the left of your front door and a planter on your right, you place seven chakra stones in each planter so that the home is balanced With the energy of the chakras, and it protects it, it balances the home, and it shields it. Another great tip is to get hematite and put it underneath the lip of your outer front door. I like to get the magnetized hematite because I envision it like pulling any negative energy from people entering my home, and that's a great way to shield your home. Green aventurine is the stone of luck, and that's a wonderful stone To either keep right at your entrance table, which is the center of career, or you can keep it in your romance section of your house, which is the opposite right-hand corner from your front door. Amazonite would be another wonderful stone because it's the stone of personal empowerment. Rose quartz for love, citrine for success. Botswana agate, a lot of crystal experts will recommend that you keep a bowl of Botswana agate at your front door to give out to people because it's called the anti-depression stone. It's said to help you absorb negative energy and thoughts inside of you. It's uh, Almost every Botswana agate has these wonderful spirals. And so it's said to help you spiral into the core of who you are to release all that you no longer need. A lipidolite, Is an anti-anxiety stone so it helps relieve that anxious worrying mind and that can be a great stone to have in the house as well especially by your bed amethyst is another one to keep really anywhere in your house but also by your bed it prevents nightmares it helps to have restful sleeps and it's called the all healer jasper is a very protecting grounding stone so that's a great stone to put in the outer four corners of your home Jess, um, sorry. Sunstone is a really happy, positive stone. It calls in the energy of the sun. So it lifts the vibrations. Apophyllite clusters in the home also do a great job of lifting and raising the vibrations in a home. Jade is also a stone of luck. You can place four quartz, any size, any, any type. They can be tumble. They can be little points of clear quartz in the four corners of your bedroom or the four corners of every room in the house to anchor light energy in that home, uplifting positive energy in that room and in the home. So I hope that helps. There's so many wonderful things you can do with crystals. As I always say, it's the intention that you bring to the crystal that really helps them to do the work. So if you just gave your friend um, Botswana agate, clear quartz, and lipidolite, And as you held those stones in your hand before giving them, you just said, thank you for working with my friend. I ask that you help lift and raise the vibrations of her home and her soul so that this house she's living in now is a place of peace and blessings. Those stones will do that work for you. So whatever intentions you bring to the gift that you're going to give your friend is going to work for her. So I hope that helps.
1: That was great information for this person, but also for all of us. So thank you.
0: You're so welcome. And thank you everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed this month's community connection show. If you want to share a question or a story with us, you can email us enlightenedempaths at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can also join us on Facebook. You can find us there if you search enlightened empaths. And if you enjoy the show, we'd love if you would tell a friend or leave us a kind review on iTunes so other people can find us. Please remember to always show up, do great work and share your light. Take care.